The following message is presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Now the message. Well, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, we're going to do a little jumping around today as we look at a new series, Does the Bible Really Say That? We're going to look over the next five weeks, hopefully we'll get through ten or so common cliches Christians say that are not actually in the Bible or are a misinterpretation of scriptural truths. So most of these are rather basic, um, but I guarantee you, you have heard them. And if you said them, don't take offense. Fair, I'm not picking on you. I ain't been here long enough to hear most of you folks say much. So did I tell you about spiders when we got down here? So I hate spiders. And growing up, um, as we had a family and got a house, I'd go around and I'd look for spiders. Because my fear was getting bit by a spider. You get bit or stung, whatever happens with those things. It's bad. So, and then when you're back home, they're really bad, and you walk through the dark at night, and you get one wrapped around your face, and you feel like they're crawling. I don't know if y'all even know what this is. So I was walking around the house, and I was like, at night, and I'm looking for black widows under, like, the rock brick ledges, and I'm like, there are so few spiders. I have yet to see a brown recluse. But when I was walking around at night, the whole house was moving. And so I was catching things out of the corner of my eye that were about this long. And so I was like, did, did that, did something move? And they get real still. Okay. Something else has moved. So I shined that flashlight up and our house was crawling with geckos. <laughs> now we actually brought two geckos with us in an aquarium. Spring and Sparky, that's the best names for geckos you could come up with. Yep, uh, that's the best we could do. And they're everywhere. So I have determined this is probably the coolest place. It's like a zoo all the time. Everywhere you go, but I can do without the spiders. But them geckos, we've had so much fun. Do y'all have them at your house or is that just most? Okay, I just was, y'all looking at me like you may not have geckos. And I'm thinking, if I got geckos and you don't have geckos, I may have other problems that I don't know about yet. So anyway, as long as we all got geckos, <laughs> I don't know what that's, anyway, here we go. Well, again, I don't mean to offend, and if, if grandma or grandpa or mom or dad used to say these things, I hope you know my heart is not to offend or really even correct, um, but when we start to look at the, scripture, the truth in Scripture compared to um, some of these statements. Again, this is just, it's summer. We've got a lot of folks traveling. It's just opportunity for, I kind of hit you pretty hard with the Moses series. So this is just a little bit of an intrigue series. Um, invite your kids and your grandkids and your neighbors, and we'll have fun together. If you have your Bible, please join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. As we look at the first one, we can go ahead and put that up there. God will not give you more than you can. Anybody ever heard this? Oh boy, I have. I remember hearing this and thinking, well, that's great. Man, that's just awesome. And then life happened. 
uh, events from childhood, uh, teenage years, to um, losing a child, cancer, going through cancer at 36 with Jeanette. Um, you know, and, and I process this as like, man, there's been a lot of days. And so if this is true, is one of the things I've, I've pursued the master's in counseling to try to answer questions for myself as the epidemic of depression and an anxiety that seems to be in our churches versus our unwillingness or lack of desire to address or to help people with it. Have you ever heard, if you have depression, you can't be a Christian? I've heard that one as well. Um, but the church says, hey, if you love Jesus, you can't be depressed. And so where does depression, anxiety, and all these things come from? Well, anxiety is actually a product of a trauma event. And trauma in the Greek means damage, a deep wound. And so what happens between the right and left brain is that synapsis that connects them. When trauma happens, it's wounded. Trauma means wound. And when that's wounded, there's a, there's a degree to where you lose touch with reality. So your fear goes completely out of control. Whereas normally your right and left would some degree balance and find its way back to a kind of a safe, realistic place. Where when that, that trauma, when that wound happens, man, you, you just go. You follow that line of worry just as far as you can follow it. So let's look at, God will not give you more than you can handle. I think first, to understand it, let's look at where might it come from. Well, the best I could find in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, it says, and I'm going to ask if you would stand out of recognition for his infallible inerrant word, serving as a final authority in all matters of faith and practice. It says, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be, what's it say? Tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, He will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. Let's pray. Lord, I love you and I thank you for your truth. And Lord, I pray that it does find its way into the, the depths, the recesses, the facets of our lives and become application. Lord, I pray that you would comfort, you would heal, you would restore, you would reconcile, you would revive each of us today. We'd walk away having a better understanding, a biblical understanding of who you are and how you have revealed yourself to us. And it is in the name, Lord Jesus, your precious name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we look at the verse that says, no temptation. Well, I think it's important first, we, we set out the difference between a temptation and a trial. We often use them interchangeably. So let's, let's consider, if you would, entertain the idea that a trial is ha- something that happens outside of you. A trial happens out here. A temptation happens within. So let's, let's, God will not give you more than you can handle. Can we think of anyone in scripture that had gone through a temptation that he could not overcome? No. But can you think of anyone that went through a trial? Damage that was coming from him on the outside. Well, I can think of several, right? I mean, come on, give me an example. Just yell it. Oh, right, that's the quickest one. Right, Job, he went to the point, he was so broken, he just wanted to die. So he he would strip himself, set in ashes, and carve at himself in his sores with broken clay pots. 
I would say that is a man who's going through something that is more than he can bear. Let's look at Adam and Eve. So Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. Everything, and this is where we need to come back to. This is, this is where it happened. This is where it broke, right? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they were created to walk in a perfect world. That world was one where there was no toil, no hardship, no sickness, no death. Have you ever had a garden? Let me tell you a little story. So, I had a great idea. My grandpa had a farm and we would just, man, we, we would have big gardens. And one year, I've always been a bit of an entrepreneur, I decided to start a watermelon stand. And so we went down to the hardware store. Y'all remember going down the, did y'all ever have hardware stores? You pulled out them drawers and you grabbed the seeds. Anytime we went to the hardware store, my hands were in the seeds while grandpa was, right, drinking coffee and talking to the guys down there. I was just playing them seeds. So anyway, so we went down there and got me a, a big old paper bag of watermelon seeds, black dudes and black diamonds. That's what I decided I want. I'm a little bitty dude you can put in the freezer and woo, come on. Well, he tilled it up with the tractor and made my rows and my mounds. And, and I went through and I poked four or five holes in that mound. And I put them little seeds in there and I covered them up. Well, I kind of got busy in the summer. I was chasing crawdads and running around out in the woods and going to basketball practice. And I came back a few days later and there was weeds everywhere. And so Grandpa brought me up there, and he gave me a hoe, and he said, son, you need to clean the rows. And I was like, well, I went to the first one, I started doing that, and I'm like, my little watermelons come up about that big. I've always been a pretty smart kid, so I thought, you know, this would be a lot easier if I just moved them seeds. Um, I mean, that grass is right there, but it's really not right there. So I just went through and plucked all my little seedlings and I put them in the valley of the row where Grandpa had been running at the disc. And then I felt like the smartest kid in the world. I went back to the house. It was about a quarter mile. Just stepping high thinking I got life by the horns, right? Thought he was going to put me to work. (laughs) Well, the next day... I went over to Grandma and Grandpa's every day, and I showed up in the morning, and around about 10, Grandpa jumped in his tractor, and he'd go brush hog or something, just get out from Anyway, he came back, and I was done watching Gilligan's Island, eating my cream of wheat. Y'all ever had cream of wheat? All right, I think y'all do grits. I don't want nothing to do with that. That even sounds bad. I don't want anything gritty in my mouth. So anyway, he comes, he goes, Eric, did you move them seeds? I was like, yes, sir. He goes, you know they're all dead, right? He goes, get in the truck. So we went up there, and in a day, they had just shriveled up to nothing. And so as a young kid, I figured out, man, there's some things that can make a big mess of things in a hurry, and and there's no easy way out. So Adam and Eve were created to live in a perfect world, to have perfect fellowship with the Lord. And then sin entered, and the the sin entered in the form of a trial, but also in one of the the closest things we have to a combination of both. That this temptation was coming from an outside source, but it would become a trial that was an inner turmoil. 
Right? Because Satan normally doesn't speak to us audibly. And so Adam and Eve were tempted and, and then they chose unrighteousness. And when unrighteousness entered the world, everything changed. Scripture tells us that God had to remove Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. Do you know why He had to remove them? They were in a sin state now, separated for him, from Him. The wages of sin is death. What if they had been in a sin nature and went and ate from the tree of life? So God's goodness, that promise He had that they would live forever in perfect harmony was, was broke. And so God had to usher them out of the Garden of Eden to prevent them because now they had to die. Well, can you imagine how Adam and Eve felt after the murder of their son? And we often think, well, you know, there was a murder, but did you ever think about Adam and Eve? The conversations that would have taken place. Adam... Can you believe this has happened to us? Our son, one of our sons killed the other. Not only are we upset and disappointed in one of our sons, the other one's no longer here. What if we just hadn't sinned? This is the greatest trauma a woman or a man can go through is the loss of a child. You see, you expect to lose your parents. You get married knowing one of the spouses will pass away before the other. You anticipate that. But no one can ever prepare or plan from losing a child. So Adam and Eve, from the beginning, were given more than they could bear. And that, that more than they could bear was the seed of sin. So to say God would never give you more than you could handle, is that true when all of us have been to a breaking point at some capacity? And so this passage is not saying that God will not give you more than you can bear. It is saying He will not give you a temptation. And there is a difference between a temptation and a trial. The temptation is that which is common to man. Not all trials are common to man. Another way to look at this is a temptation is your action. A trial tests your faith. That's another way to look at this. That God will, He will not, He can't, I can't think of a temptation that would be new. That I haven't processed to some capacity. And so is this, well, God will not give you more than you can handle. It's it's just not true. I've had more than I can handle. There's days I just thought, Lord, what am I supposed to do with this? I've been angry with Him, I didn't want to talk to Him, and guess what? I just kept preaching. Because we're all pretty good at faking it, aren't we? But we all, deep down, there's something that just eats, eats on us. There's a pain. So, it's not true. But let's look. Let's go to Matthew eleven twenty-eight. If this were true, let's not get to number two yet, please. Um, thank you. If... The statement was true, then this wouldn't be there either. It says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Other versions will say heavy laden. And I will give you rest. So the interpretation here is, come to me, all you who are weary. There's a difference between being weary and tired. 
Weary is when there's, there's nothing left. And weary is also not just a physical state, but it's an emotional, a psychological state as well. I can be tired, but still have a healthy capacity mentally and psychologically. Weary is, I'm done. Physically, I'm exhausted. Emotionally, I'm exhausted. Psychologically, I'm exhausted. And spiritually, I'm exhausted. I have trusted God. I have trusted Him. I have trusted Him. And it doesn't seem like anything's gotten any better. And so I'm just wore out. Not only am I weary, I'm heavy laden. The burden upon my shoulders is more than I can carry anymore. I just want to quit. In a private counseling, the number of people who have honestly considered taking their lives is astronomical. Brokenness is so much more than we're honest or open or give heed to the pain of others about. So weary. So if, if that was true, then that wouldn't be there. So what do we do? What do we do with this? Fact is, I live in a fallen world. Now, here's the other, this is just logical. If I was never created to deal with death, I was never created to bury parents. I was never created to bury a spouse. You were never created to walk with a spouse through cancer or walk through it yourself. You were never created to bury a child or say goodbye to any loved one or any friend. Sin did that. And so now, there's more than any of us could bear, even in the event of death. That in itself is more than any human being was designed. So you say, well, God made a mistake. No, God did not make a mistake. We did. He created us, yes, to walk with Him in in perfect harmony with creation. There's nothing in perfect harmony in this world. So it's more than we can bear. It's more than we can handle. And so he says, why does he say this? I know what you're going through. Listen, this is tough. Because to some capacity, it's a justice I allowed. Now, for how many have sinned? All. I can't be mad at Adam and Eve. I remember my first sin. It was hiding food. I was told not to eat M- M- any more peanut M&M's. Do y'all like peanut M&M's? <laughs> I heard a funny story about Brother Charles with peanut M&M's that he talked about sometimes. So I, w- I went over and I was told not to eat them and the bowl was on the table. So I was standing like this. <laughs> and I go, wait, I'm right. But I can remember intentionally deceiving. I'm a sinner. The consequences of this world, if it would have been me in the Garden of Eden, I would have done it too. So he says, come to me. Don't try to do it alone. I would created it right. I would created it perfect. Humanity messed it up. And so to write this, to find a sanity in it, go back to the author and the creator. Now, does that mean... That if you're struggling, that you should not get help. Absolutely get help at any capacity you feel you need to get help. Did everyone hear me say amen?
It has nothing to do, okay, with your trust or your faith in God. It has to do with this world is more than you can bear. Go to Him. Go to Him. But his, He created people with gifts to help you. Now, let's go to number two. I spent way too long there. God helps those that help themselves. How many of you have heard that one? This, if out of any ten of these that I could strike from your mind and you never ever say again, this would be it. Because this is what keeps people in a prison. Let's look. What if they're an addict? God helps those that help themselves. Go back to the passage we just read. Come to me, all you're weary and heavy laden. Do you know what addiction does? It wearies you and it is a burden heavier than than most we have a, a psychological understanding of. So to say, God helps those that help themselves actually contradicts the whole of Scripture. Now you know where this comes from? This will rock your world. How many Christians have you heard say this? Its context is from the Koran. In 13.11, if you want to write that down and research it, you can Google it. And it says, because that statement is nowhere in Scripture. I'll read script passages that do address our condition. But it says, and I'm not giving any, any credence or any credit to the Koran. Does everyone understand me? Please say amen. I am warning you we should all be careful about what we say and where it came from. Nowhere in scriptures does it say, you better get yourself right and God will help you. It says, come to me, all you're weary and heavy laden. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? So we have created a situation that God will not give you more than you can handle. So if, if you're in trouble, if you're emotionally in trouble, guess what? You're going to isolate yourself and you're going to live alone because you should be helping yourself. Friend, there comes a time. There comes a time when you're just so heavy laden that, that there's, you've got to get help. And that's why he says, come to me. And it also should be the voice of the church. You know, how many invitations? I've simply said, God, and I, I don't mean to, to personify, but God has extremely large shoulders. And they're big enough to carry whatever you need to bring to Him. Let's look at some passages. Let's look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. And we'll go through 11. God helps those that help themselves. Completely unscriptural. Does God bless faithfulness? Yes. But God empowers faithfulness. The Holy Spirit enables discipline. 5 verse 6, Romans. For while we were still, what's it say? Say it. Powerless. Anyone else got a, a different word? It's louder. Without strength. Good. Powerless. Another word is helpless. While we were helpless. Do you know what it means to be helpless? Anybody ever had children? Friend, you, you gotta do everything, right? It's saying, we were, when we were still, while we were still, still, 
It means we started out that way and it never changed. There was never a point where humanity can achieve what God intended spiritually in writing the relationship with the Creator without the person of Jesus Christ. So we were helpless. So if I'm helpless, I can't help myself. Does that make sense? That's a, that'd be a contradiction. I was helpless. There's nothing in my life I could do in and of myself to repair or give me a hope to be forgiven for my sin apart from the person, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, let's go on and look at it farther. For while we are still helpless, at the right time, affirms His sovereignty, Christ died for the ungodly. So there's nothing in me that can achieve any form of godliness without Christ's death. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person someone might even dare to die. But God proves His own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by His blood, not ours, will we be saved from His wrath. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by His life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Reconciliation means that you take two opposing, right, two adjunct positions, and you bring them together by a power outside. So me and God were completely separated, and we were separated by sin, and I was helpless for that sin. I was in bondage. Scripture said I was a slave to it. Even when I I wanted and I desired to overcome it, I was still attached to it. So there was a time I might escape. But the strength to overcome the flesh, the old man, was not there because the spirit was not there. And so I needed to be reconciled, brought back into a right relationship with God the Father. And I couldn't do anything about that. So to tell anyone, God helps those that help themselves. And here's the deal. This changes the way you look at everyone. Think about it. You ever drive around, see folks walking or not working or whatever, and say, hey, they probably ought to go get a job? I have. Seen people homeless. You know, one time we, we used to go and do a little homeless meal on Wednesday nights. There was an area back home, we call it the riverfront. But it was kind of a beach spot on the Arkansas River where there was a homeless community. And so we took it upon ourselves as a church to go down there and minister to them. Well, we get down there and they're already having a church service on their own. And the odd thing was they weren't homeless. They all had homes. All had health insurance. All had retirement. And most of them had served in the military majority of them had defended you and me and risked their lives for you and I. 
So I went down to give these folks Jesus and give them a hope in life. Because I had it all figured out. And I got down there and I sat in the sand and I listened to their stories. They'd been hurt. And they were trying to escape something. And it was a pain. It was a pain deep down inside that I didn't understand. So I don't look at things the same. God doesn't help those that help themselves. God helps everyone that desires his assistance. God loves everyone that will accept his love. See, we have a mold as a church, and going forward, I'll tell you, there's a couple things that are your barrier to reaching this community. Okay, and I, I, need, I love you, and I'm, I'm going to say this out of love and absolute desperation. Do you realize we don't have a whole bunch of young folks? I ain't against your age, folks. I love you, all right? But do you know how hard it is to take care of a bunch of young folks, a bunch of little babies and little kids that are going to come up in here and tear your playground down? <laughs> They're going to tear it up. And we're going to love them. But I need you to muster up energy that you might have thought you didn't have. And I need you, you realize there's going to be a hundred and something old kids running around this place. And these ain't the same kids we had 20 years ago. You understand? And we can't look at them like they need to fix something. We got to love them like we have the opportunity to guide them to fix something. They're hurt. Their world is much different than the world you grew up in. You realize you used to know some truth? There's nothing in our world absolute. And Do you know how much insecurity that creates in the mind of a child? You remember when your mom and dad used to fight and how that would tear you inside out? Their whole world is fighting. They have no place for serenity and peace. So I need you to muster up some energy. You go to Jesus and you get some rest. You hear me? And next, I need your perseverance. And I need you to pray for spiritual protection. You're about to march in Satan's playground. And when you go to war, he responds. I didn't come down here to play patty cake with you. I have no interest in wasting my time or your resources. hundred and something kids. And I bet we got six over there in a big old building. We're going to go after all of them, and it's going to take every one of us. And if you're a member, you may be on a rotation to work in the nursery. I can't ask. We just got to do, okay? This church, I'm not trying to scare you guys. Know I, I don't. I think you knew what you set out to do, and so we're going to begin setting out to do it. I, I don't think that made any sense with English language. Um, my wife will correct me on the way home. Um, whatever we set it out to do, we, 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 we will do, do it now, later, tomorrow, maybe, yes. All right. Lord, I'm excited about a potential that rests on the horizon. But it is a potential that, that we have looked at things in very worldly eyes. First, Lord, we, we tell folks that that they can't hurt. And Lord, we've all hurt. 
you will allow more to happen than what we can bear. And that's where you come in. That's where you heal. That's where you restore. And Lord, I've needed you desperately. And it seemed like it took so long. But Lord, it was my anger. It was my bitterness that kept you away. And so Lord, I pray this morning that whatever it is that each of us may carry, whether it's something that happened to us as a child, something that happened while we were teenagers dating or from a loved one, Maybe it's just dreams that never happened. Financial struggle, unfaithfulness from a spouse, the loss of a child, unexpected loss of a parent. Lord, all these things are more than we can bear. And so, Lord, I pray that you would heal and that you would reconcile the depression and the anxiety and the anger in our lives. And, Lord, when we look at people... We won't look at them waiting for them to do something. That we will be agents of action when it comes to your love. And those agents of action, Lord, do not judge a person's condition. They hope for the person's potential. And so, Lord, I pray for each child that's going to come, and I'm so excited to see our church folks love on them. Lord, I pray they'll each feel loved and the parents will see our love, the attention, the compassion that we give. And that it will in all times and all ways resemble your heart, dear Lord. And I thank you for those that have signed up to help and the stories of how hard they have worked. Lord, please bless them. And this week, give them rest. And on that week, Lord Jesus, when we are weary and heavy laden, may we go to you. Lord, please forgive me for my arrogance and my independence. Lord Jesus, may I turn the cares of this world over to you and may you give me rest. It is in the name of the sovereign King Jesus we pray. Amen. The preceding message was presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about Bayou Vista, including contact info, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.